I'm turning something different. I'm breaking out of the box. I said, I'm breaking out of the box. Amen. Would you take your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 26? Matthew, chapter 26, and verse number 30. Now, it's important that as we look at the Word and hear the vision today, that we cut down on the distractions. Okay? I know our, our bladders are very weak sometimes. I get it. And we want you to go to the restroom if needed. But let's make sure we're not on the phones and talking and hitting one another, passing those and chewing gum and looking at the ceiling and clipping your toenails and fingernails and picking your nose. You know, I've seen it all in church. So let's all just pay attention this morning. Is that all right? Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. Then Jesus came to them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be very sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. Now I want you to pay attention to verse 39. And he went a little further. Everybody shout that with me. And he went a little further, and fell on his face to pray, saying, O oh, my Father, if it's possible that this cup pass for me, nevertheless not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter, What? Did you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. For the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again a second time he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me, unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. And the Son of Man is being betrayed in the hands of the sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So for a few moments, we're going to look at the vision of 2024. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to look at your word. We pray that you would open our ears and our hearts, that we would hear you and understand you, and that it would go forth in clarity and boldness. And everyone shouted a great day, Amen. I love this passage of scripture. I've read this scripture over and over many times in my life. And sometimes you can read the Bible, and yet there are other times you really read the Bible. And I believe that our goal is not to master the scriptures, but our goal is for the scriptures to master us. And sometimes I believe in our Bible reading and our study, we want to try to master it. But God has never called you to master the scriptures. As you read the Bible, let it form you and mold you into the image of Christ. Let the scriptures master you. And as I have read this scripture, that phrase, I do believe in verse number 39, uh, it said, he went a little further. Now the context here is that Jesus is uh, with his disciples, three of them, Peter, James, and John. He's in a garden 
He's very distressed. He's getting ready to be crucified and handed over to the religious leaders. In Jesus' distress, he's crying and praying to God that his will would be done. And the Bible says he went a little further. But if you have to, if you look at the context here, he found the disciples sleeping, and then he went a little further. Now, my friends, I love that. Because while everyone else was sleeping, Jesus made a decision to go a little further. While everyone else was asleep, Jesus went a little further. I'm going to say that again because I believe it holds great value. While everyone else was asleep, Jesus went a little further. We live in a day and age where there is apathy and complacency all around us. It's very hard to even pay someone to do a job now. I mean, apathy, lukewarmness, and complacency is all around us. It's very hard to motivate people nowadays to do anything, even in the church or even in the workplace. People are in a state of existence. They're not really living their life. Some people are not living their life on purpose. They're just existing. Without motivation, without inspiration, they're just there. And I understand that life can be difficult, and there are times we all feel that way. But my point is this. As a church, we have to be careful that we don't succumb to that culture, and we don't succumb to that attitude. We are called not to be slaves. We're called to be servants. We're called to be soldiers. We're called to do it all in the name of Christ with excellence. Put all of our effort into it. These disciples were sleeping, and Jesus went a little further. You know, it's easy to go to sleep. There's no effort required for some of us. It's easy to go to sleep because it's comfortable. It's easy to stay in bed and have that nice warm blanket. You know, as for me, I have a particular pillow and a fan blowing in my face, you know. It's very easy. And all the fan people say amen. It's very comfortable to go to sleep. And it's even more comfortable when everybody else is sleeping. It's easy to go to sleep. But I want you to see that God is calling us to go against the status quo. He's calling us to go against the norm. He's calling us to go a little further. If our mission don't change here, but if there's a slogan, a slogan that I want to uh, really implement this morning is, let's go a little further. Let's go a little further. Let's go beyond the status quo. Let's go beyond church as normal. Let's go beyond just going through the motion. Let's go a little further. Christ's point, are you with me to go a little further in 2024? How many senses the Spirit to say to you, let's go a little further? Let's not back down. Let's not get tired. Let's not lay down the cross. But let's pick up the cross, keep our eyes gazing at the Savior, and let's go with all tenacity and perseverance. Let's go a little further. Let's do all we can while we can. While the time that God has given us, let's do all we can while we can. You know, ever since I was a little boy, I've had a call on my life to pastor. I, I, and you've heard this story multiple times, Pastor Brandon has alluded to it during pastor appreciation. But as a little boy, I used to sit in my room for hours and play with cardboard boxes 
Most of you know I played with California raisins. Now most of you probably don't know what a California raisin is, but I have them in my office. I have a collection of them. This is Mrs. California raisin. This is Mr. California raisin. I used to play with them in my office, or and growing up in my bedroom. I don't play with them often. I guess maybe I do a little bit. <laughs> childhood, right? So I don't know when these came out, but anyway, when I was growing up in the, the 90s, I was a, a preteen in the 90s, I, I, a young teenager, late 80s, I had these cardboard boxes and I put them in there and my G.I. Joe men, and G.I. Joe men, and they had church together. And isn't that a combination? One of the things I learned as I was playing with these California raisins is I could make them praise the Lord. And I remember as a child, they would just shout all over that cardboard box, and I'd just stretch out their hands, and they would just praise the Lord. As I was studying for this vision sermon, the Lord said to me, Son, you can't make people like you made them praise the Lord. You're right, the Lord. As a pastor, I can't make you praise the Lord. I can't make you do anything, actually. But what I am supposed to do as a pastor is to lead you. Lead you by example. Lead you by my life. Lead you by preaching. Lead you by the way I live my own life. And that's what I'm called to do in this church. I can't make anyone go a little further. I can't make anyone be a part of the mission. I can't. We can go to church and say all day long that we exist to make disciples who love God with all their head, heart, hands, and feet. All of those are just nice things if I don't lead you with my life and I don't lead you by example. So as a pastor, I want you to know that my first primary responsibility is to be a man of God, to be a man of prayer, and to lead you not make you do anything. And I know sometimes in my excitement I want to make people, and I don't want to ever do that. I want to lead you by my life. And with that being said, I want to say this, that, and I have said this often, and I think it's worthy to say it again, noteworthy to say it again, and that I am very privileged and honored to pastor this church. This is a good church. We have a good group of people here. We have good staff members. We have good volunteers. We have those who come alongside of me to help. And I want you to know I do appreciate you. I do love you. It is with great joy that I have the honor to be your pastor. Thank you for making my journey here uh, very pleasant. And I say that with all sincerity. In the scripture found in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verse number 17, the Bible something happened? Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 17. Look at the scripture. The Bible says this, Obey those who have ruled over you. Be submissive, for they watch over your souls. As those who must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would, not, for that would be unprofitable for you. I love that because I can say that you give me joy doing this, and I don't do it with grief. So thank you so very, very much. I love you. 
and I appreciate you very much. There is an advantage of being faithful to church. Um, you know, I have some markers up here. I have a yellow marker, green, pink, blue, etc. I use them as I'm reading books and the Bible. And one of the things I've discovered is that if I take a marker and take the top of it off, and just leave it, I've done this multiple times. You don't know how many times I went through markers. I would take it off as I'm reading and leave it on my desk. And then I go to lunch or I do whatever I needed to do. And I come back and it's dried out. And one of the things that I've learned as a pastor and as a church together is that if you are not covered, you will dry out. And there are some people that refuse to submit to authority. Some people won't come under the covering of a pastor. They won't come under the covering of a church. And if you don't come under the covering of a local body of men and women, you will live a life that's dried out. How many is agreeing with me that I need to come in agreement? I want to be a part of a local body where I don't dry out as a believer, but I stay in the plan of God. Can I hear an amen? So let's, let's continue to do that. And I said that to say this. You do do that. Thank you so much. I love you. I pray blessings on you. Thank you for giving me the privilege of being your pastor. Now, our mission is the same every year. For those of you that are new this morning, I just want to just recap it. This is what this church is about. You've heard us say it. We have t-shirts with it on. And it doesn't change because I believe that this is found in the Bible this is what God has called us to do. This is what makes Christ different from other churches. And that is this, our mission. Our mission is who we are as people. And that is this, our mission is to develop disciples who love God with all their head, heart, and feet. Now, for those of you that maybe have a hard time understanding that, maybe it's complicated, let me just break it down even further. Our mission, the reason that this church exists, is that we are called to make followers, committed followers of Jesus, that love God with all of our mind, that love God with all of our heart or our, our spirit, who we are as a person, to love God in what we do, our hands, and to love God in bringing the message to other people. That is what we're called to do, too. And I believe that if we can do this, we can be a holistic disciple, a follower of Jesus. This church exists to make followers of Jesus. That's why we're here. Now, some of you like the music. Some of you like the preaching. Some of you like the kids program. All of that's good and fine. But the reason that we're here is to make followers of Jesus. That is why we're here. The reason we have a kids ministry is not that they can color a story of Noah or you know, play basketball and learn. No, no. To make followers of Jesus. Not to entertain children, but to make followers of Jesus. The reason we send our children to kids' church and our youth to youth point is to make a follower of Jesus. Not so that we can babysit them. It's so that we can develop them into a person that loves God with all their head, heart, hands, and feet. And if you're committed to that mission, if you're committed to be a part of that, can I hear a great big amen? I want to be a committed follower of Jesus. Come on. Is there anybody say, I want to be a committed follower of Jesus? In other words, I want to be, I want to be changed by Jesus. 
I want to be committed to following Jesus. I want to be committed to his mission. And I want to walk it out. Head, heart, hand, I want to be committed to following Jesus. Make a decision with your head. I want to be changed by Jesus, my heart. I want to be committed to the mission of Jesus. And I want to walk it out. Feet. You see, those things are essential in following Jesus. And that's what this church is about. Why is the church service, why do we have longer worship services than most churches? Why is there an emphasis on the Holy Spirit? It's because we believe the heart is essential to be changed. And we believe that the Spirit should have preeminence in our church service. That there should be a time of transformation in the hearts of people. We can't make you, but we want to cultivate that in our church services. Can I hear an amen? That is our mission, and that is who we are. Now, if you remember last year, every year I give you a set of goals. If you remember, and we went over this several times last year, but last year we had a set of goals. Let's see how well we did. Last year, I challenged you to do this. So Mission 23, I said, I want everyone to read the Bible, and I want you to read the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship book. I believe that no one in this building should have had an excuse not to do that. You should have done that. If you go to your phone and you go to your settings, you can find out how much time you spend on your phone. So there should be no reason why we should not have been committed to at least trying to read the Bible or listening to it or reading the book, all right? I can't make you, but I challenge you to go deeper in your relationship, all right? Let's go a little further. All right, number two, we talked about raising funds for the ministry. We did that. We raised over $20,000 in our vision offering, and those vision offerings helped us bless our ministry departments, which is connection, youth, children, um, discipleship. We bless those ministries, and we also help the church with operating expenses. So thank you so much with the over $20,000 raised. Would you give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation? For the hands, we talked about, let's train. Let's, let's be committed to serve the church and be trained. So last year, we started some Sunday nights where we came in and trained. We had some mock church services where we taught our ushers how to pray with people, catch people. We went through church services. We did that at least three or four times last year. And so I believe that we did better at it. There's some improvement. Um, Care team, we worked on that. That was something we worked on last year. Uh, That was a part of the mission. That was part of the vision. And I believe that we did well. Still need improvement, but we did well. For the feet, I believe that we probably didn't do as well. I challenged everyone to reach one unreached person and develop a friendship with them and uh, develop a relationship with that person. I'm not sure how many of us did that, but that was a part of the challenge. That's fine if we didn't do it. This is a new year, and we can go a little further this year. Can I hear an amen? Goals is not to uh, depress us. Sometimes we don't reach them, but that's okay. It's okay if we don't reach them, but at least we're aiming towards something. Because I have found that if you aim at nothing, you hit nothing. So we may not reach the goals, but at least we tried and we had an aim. How many can say amen to that? Say this with me. If I aim at nothing, I hit nothing. So if we may not complete all the goals, that's okay. At least we had an aim 
and I'm thankful for that. So let's, let's talk about things that we can celebrate as a church, some small things. Now, let me say this. The year 2020 was COVID, and 2020 through 2022, those were rough years, not just for this church, but many churches had it rough. We were trying to regain the people. We were trying to regain the momentum that we had, uh, finances, etc. Those were just rough years, hard years. This church did, I think, extremely well during those years. We maintained. Uh, we struggled in some areas, but we still had to just, you know, it was some years of struggle, obviously, but we just had to maintain our vision, maintain our focus, and I believe that last year was a year of recovery. We, we were recovering, and I believe that we did well, and there are some things that we need to celebrate last year. So I'm going to read some of the things we can celebrate, and we can clap at the end of this. We had 14. Now, we, we suspect that we had more, but this is what we had record in the church office. 14 people were baptized. 26 people were saved. 43 people went through the 101 class, 21 people went through Discover Christ Point, 105 people in small groups, over $20,000 in vision offerings. Our youth group went from 10 people on an average of 22, but sometimes they average 25, and it's even been up to 30. So we're very thankful for that. And the last thing that's not up there is all the people that read the Bible through or attempted to read it through, and all the people that read the book that we challenged. So that should be up there too. So it was a great year of recovery, and I believe we need to stand and give God a praise and glory about what God has done last year. Can we praise God? Everybody shout a great big amen. Now, I know not everybody is here this morning, but if you read the Bible through last year or you attempted to read it and did get it done, would you stand to your feet? Oh, my goodness. Look at this. Praise God. Look at all these people reading the Bible through or attempted to read it. Thank you so much. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of appreciation. What about those who read the book that I challenge you to read? Would you stand? All those who read the book. Amen. Let's give God praise for that. Amen. Readers are leaders, and I'm thankful. Now listen, if you're here today, say, Pastor, I didn't read the Bible, nor did I read your book, but I love you. Well, guess what? I love you too, and I love that scripture. Therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So don't feel condemned today. Just realize that this is a church. We love each other. We don't always complete our goals. We should aim at them. We don't always complete them. And even in our personal life, we're not always going to complete them. But let it challenge you for this year to set a goal in your life. Is that all right? Amen. Just let it be challenge you to set a goal in your life. Amen. Now, there are things that we need to work on as a church. As a pastor, sometimes I become overwhelmed by these. Sometimes I'm like... I want to make everybody do what they're supposed to do. But I can't. Pastoring is not about making everybody do. I, I wish I could. Pastoring is about leading by example, loving, setting the mission, walking alongside of people. In spite of all of that, I still believe we have a great church. But I do believe a healthy church does not ignore the things they need to work on. We can't be the type of church to say, oh, we're good. And there's nothing we can work on. We always got to have the attitude of growth. 
teachability, having a heart that's contrite, wanting to grow. And as long as I'm the pastor, I'm always going to try to do better. I may not reach it. I may fail at times. But there's always going to be a desire to do things better. There's always going to be a desire to change up things. And if it doesn't work, we can always go back to what we know. But the seven last words of a dying church is this. We have never done it that way before. So I know there are some things that we need to work on. You know, volunteers, we need much more volunteers to get them. We need more people to serve. The nursery, we're lacking. We need lots of people to help in the nursery. It is the one ministry of the church that's suffering the greatest. We, on a good Sunday, when everybody is here, we're overflowing in the nursery. And so regulations, we, we really do need help there. Megan is doing a wonderful job. She's doing it with a spirit of excellence. She can't hear me, but we give honor to Megan today for our nursery director. I said last year part of my vision was to develop deacons. Deacons, because I believe it's scriptural to develop deacons, and they would care for the church. And uh, because of everything else we did, I didn't have time to do that, but that's still on the radar. I apologize that we didn't do it, but I'm going to admit that we didn't do it, but it is still a part of the dream and vision to get that done. Um, also, there's some organization things that we can work on, some follow-through things that we can work on. Uh, we can follow through better. We can organize better. Those are things we can work with. The culture, developing a team culture is something we can work on. And sometimes I believe as a church we do too much. You know, and so my quest is trying to do things simple, effective, that brings about glory to God and make disciples. That's what we're about, is making disciples, making followers of Jesus. And so thank you for being on this journey with me to do it. Sometimes we've tried things and it didn't work. Uh, years ago, we tried things at the park. We, we had dinner at the church for the unconverted, unsaved. We, we tried things. Uh, and it didn't really work, but that's okay. You put effort. We tried it, and we realized it doesn't work. But those, there were people that had their heart into it, that wanted to serve, and you did an excellent job, and we appreciate that. And so our church is about trying things. If it doesn't work, it's okay. We can move on to another. If we don't fulfill the goal, we don't fulfill the, uh, the goals that we set, let's aim at it and try our best to do it. Amen. Is that good? And there are other things that we can work on as a church. Uh, there's other things, and I, I realize that. Um, and I want you to know we're open to suggestions. Uh, if you come with a, a heart, with not only the problem, but with the solution as well, we want to entertain that. We want to be open to suggestions. We want to be open to solutions. We never, as a staff, want to say, listen, we've arrived and we've, we know how to do it. That is not true. We want to be open and receptive to the problem and also the solution to the problem. Help us collaborate to form solutions to the problem. Uh, with that being said, I want to just take a few moments and explain some of our goals for 2024. 2024, I think you've, we've done well last year in our goals. There's some things we could have worked on, but we really did well completing some of our goals. Now, as I go over the goals for 2024, it is very imperative we understand something. I am not up here to change the mission. Remember, the mission stays the same. Our mission is to develop disciples who love God with all their head, heart, hands, and feet. That's not going to change. In fact, it's not even going to change next year. That's going to stay the same. But what we are doing is looking at our mission and saying, these are the goals 
or these are the initiatives that we want to complete so that we can be a church of head, heart, hands, and feet. Does that make sense? And so some of the corporate things that we can do as a church, as a church body, the corporate things that we can do, there are four things I want to do this year as a church. Four things corporately I want to do as a church to go along with our head, heart, hands, and feet. Number one, our game plan is this. Number one, let's look at the head. Head. Everybody shout head. Under the head category, I want to develop 25 next-gen leaders through our intentional leadership development program called the Leadership Academy. This particular dream has been on my heart for years and years and years. It's something that I've always wanted to do. And so we're going to at least try it this year and see how we can do this. In other words, let me explain what this is. This is taking our third graders, at least a third grader, to a 12th grader. This is dealing with our next gen, third grade to 12th grade. They will start in the fall, and our objective is to train them in the four, four C's of leadership. The four C's of leadership, number one is creed. We want our young people to know what they believe as a Christian. We want them to know what they believe, the doctrine of the church. I'm very big on that. We're raising up a generation that's biblically illiterate, and I want to change, try to change the course. Creed. The second C is character. We want to develop our children into men and women of character and what that means to walk in character and to live it out. Number three, competency. We want them to have a skill. We want them to develop a skill, whether that's public speaking, whether that's music, whatever. We want to help them to develop skills in their life. And then chemistry, how well they work with people. We're developing a generation where our children are rolling eyes at their school teachers and being disrespectful. They don't know how to navigate through their the, the trouble and the internal trouble of their life. They don't know how to navigate through it. They don't know how to work well with people. Well, what I want to do is to develop a leadership academy where we take our young people through a program for a year, 26 weeks, 13 weeks in the spring and 13 weeks in the fall, and it's going to be an after-school program on Wednesdays from 4 to 6, one day a week at least. There'll be other days added, uh, field trips, etc., like that, but Wednesdays from 4 to 6, and we're going to have some of our staff speak into their life. We're going to assign them a mentor. It's like the Big Brother, Big Sister program. It's kind of like the 4-H. It's kind of like the, the Assemblies of God, uh, Missionettes, and what is the other ones called? Royal Rangers. It's taking our young people and giving them a mentor instead of just teaching them in class, but walking with them as they progress on their spiritual journey and giving them tools to grow as a Christian, being intentional about it. And I believe I'm so excited about it. And I believe that you hear yes in your spirit that we can change the course of this generation just by mentoring and believing in the next generation. Why is this important? This is important because we're losing our children to Babylon. Babylon is investing into them. They, they are going to school. If you think, parents, that your, children, your, your child or your children are strong disciples of the Lord just because you have prayer once a week and attend church, then you're sadly mistaken. They are hours and hours and hours in the Babylonian system. They're, they're being, it's being shoved down their throat every day. And we have to be intentional about developing real disciples 
of Jesus Christ. Does this follow our mission? Of course it follows our mission. That's developing disciples, and we're developing disciples with the next generation. I don't know about you, but I prophesy that the devil don't own all the children of America, and he don't, he's, he's not going to have them. And I prophesy that our children belong to the Lord. And I prophesy that our great-grandchildren belong to the Lord. And our grandchildren belong to the Lord. If anybody's going to speak into them, it's not going to be the Babylonian system. It's going to be mentors of men and women, fathers and mothers of the faith, who take them under their wing and speak the Word of God into their life. Amen. Let's look at the heart. For the heart, this is simple. This is something we all can do. I want to break our attendance records for our special services, Easter, come and see, and Christmas, as well as increase our regular attendance by 10%. Now, in other words, we have three big services, Christmas, and then we have a come and see service, and uh, uh, Easter. Those are the three big services, all right? And those big three services, I want to push the envelope, and I want to break the attendance record on those services, and then on the regular services, I want to increase our attendance by 10%. This Easter, I want to have 500 people on church on that Sunday morning. We average, with all the kids and everybody that attends church here through the week, is 300. And I believe on Easter Sunday morning, we can have 500 people in church on Easter Sunday morning. You say, Pastor, that's about numbers. Well, let me explain to you. I want people to come to church. And if Jesus left the 99 to go find the one that was lost, then somebody had to count. And so my thing is, is that I am a firm believer. I don't know why people, people get in this bandwagon. Oh, it's about, it's not about numbers. We count people because they count. Folks, I want people to come to church. Just like a teacher wants their students to come to school. I want people to come here on a Sunday morning. I want this place to be filled. And we have the potential to invite somebody to the Easter service, and we can start now. How many knows we can do that? Why is this important? You know why this is important? Because I got a big message, and I want to tell it to a big audience. I want to tell the message of Easter, how Jesus has conquered the grave and set us free. And I want you to bring somebody on Easter. Let's break the attendance record and let's get people saved on Easter Sunday morning. How many's with me? Say, Pastor Josh, I'm with you. Said, how many's with me? So not only do we have head, we have heart, and then we have hands. I am in particular excited about the hands aspect. For the hands aspect, we're going to uh, impact our community by partnering with local, through the local school through our outreach program called Love the City. Now, we've tried to do this. The local school, which what I refer to as Galena, especially the elementary schools, um, I have tried, and certain other leaders of the church, we've tried to get in and get ideas of what we can do. And one of the things that we always ran up against is uh, it was already being done or they had funding to do it. And so we just didn't want to do something if it was already being done or if they had funding to do it. We even met with the, the, the Council of Galena, try to get up ideas. How can we get ideas to bless our city? And uh, it never really progressed anywhere from that. We, uh, uh, they didn't, 
they were very excited for us to be involved, but they didn't have a lot of ideas for us. And so the other day, I was really thinking and praying, what can we do about partnering with our schools? And I know that some of you, and I've heard this, a lot of people will say, well, I don't, I don't like the Christmas outreach. I don't like what we do. I don't like giving gifts out. I've heard a lot of that. And I believe that that is not a biblical worldview to have. I believe the Bible teaches us in Acts chapter 10 that Jesus went about doing good, healing all those who were sick and oppressed the devil. You see, there is felt needs in the church. There's felt needs. And then there are real needs. You know, Jesus fed the multitude before he preached to them. You see, something as just feeding people is important. Giving gifts out may not mean anything to you, but it may mean the world to a little child. It may make a difference. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The church should be an organization where we do good. This should be an organization where we do good for people. Hospitality, reaching out to people. And so I contacted, the, the Lord gave me an idea, and the idea was to deliver Easter baskets to our children in the school system. Very simple. So I called uh, Susan, which is the elementary principal of Liberty. Is that correct, Connie? And so I talked to her, and I gave her my idea. And, of course, she, you know, we, we went back and forth the last year or two trying to find out what we could do. And immediately her words were, this is an, a brilliant idea. She said, this has never been done. And she said, some of these children don't know what the meaning of Easter is. Some of them get baskets. Some of them don't. But this is a wonderful way of showing the city that you love these children. And so she called the superintendent. What's his name? Van Cleve called him, and, and he was super excited, gave permission, was on board. And then we started thinking, well, if we give baskets out to Liberty, then Spring Grove, you know, there's, that's the pre-K first and second graders. Is that correct? Well, what if a child, if we give a basket to Liberty, a child that's in Liberty, well, what if their sibling is at Spring Grove? Well, we don't want to do that. So we called, and we got numbers, and there's 400 students total between Spring Grove and Liberty. And so what we're going to do, our Easter outreach, one of the ways that we can partner with the school is that we're going to give an Easter basket to each child, 400 Easter baskets. And in the Easter basket, we're going to invite their family to church and share the message of Easter on the back of it. And I believe that this can make an impact in our community. So we already have it scheduled. It is scheduled on March the 28th, that is the day before Good Friday, and at 2 o'clock that afternoon, we're going to take volunteers, and uh, Susan is going to take all the children into the gym, and we get to present them, say a few words to the children, and then we get to present the Easter baskets to them. We're going to do the same for Spring Grove. This is a wonderful opportunity for parents to know that we love your children. It's a small gift. In, hospitality doesn't change anyone, but it does, create a, it does create an atmosphere for people to be changed. So let's be an instrument of doing good. March the 28th. Now, that takes money to do it. But I'm not intimidated by money whatsoever because I believe that mission and vision will generate the finances that need to be done to do this. And I am praying right now 
that the Spirit of God would lay it upon someone's heart. I know that there's people in this church that can write me a check to pay for all of it, and I don't have to take an offering. There's people in here that has the money, and some of us has been so custom of just tithing every week and giving our little offering. Maybe the Lord is asking you to be generous, hilarious in your giving. Maybe the Lord is asking you to give an offering where you still think about it on Monday morning. Sometimes we give our offerings and we don't even think about it because it's not really a sacrifice. But I challenge you to give where you think about it for days because it hurt. I'm talking about being generous. There's no reason why I need to plead for it. I I know that God has blessed some of you all with the finances that we can do it without asking over and over for offerings. Your heart can be moved by the Spirit and you can give. Amen? And I believe that. I truly believe that. Somebody say amen. So uh, March the 28th, we want you to put it on your calendar. We're going to be praying ASAP. We're going to be praying over these children. And the Wednesday before, that Wednesday night, we're all going to gather before Growth Point, after Growth Point, and we're going to be putting these baskets together, and then we're going to be praying over the baskets. Now, our pastoral staff and some of our volunteers will get the stuff. We get the money. We'll buy the stuff so all the, all the children will have the same stuff. Can I hear an amen? We don't want to give different things to different children. We'll make sure they all have the same stuff. So we'll get, receive the money. Our pastoral staff will make sure it's, we, we get it. And then on that Wednesday before that, that Thursday, we as a church on Wednesday night will help put those baskets together. We'll even pray over them and send them out from this church. Let me say this. Good works are a fruit of my salvation. They're not the root. And so we're, this, is, this is a fruit of our church. This is, this is being kind and being generous. Amen. Um, uh, feet. Let's go on to feet. I love this too. The last goal that I really want to focus on is we will at least have six couples or individuals to host dinner parties within their homes to facilitate conversations with the unchurched. I love having conversations with Mike Forbear back there. He is a big proponent of relationships and opening their home. How many knows that Mike and Amy do awesome at that? I mean, they love, they love this. Sometimes, um, you know what we do in church? Church is like a car. The other day I was playing with Reese. She has a little car in the living room. I was like, zoom, 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 zoom. Well, the church is like a car. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Zooming with the vision, mission. It's the mission and the vision that fuels the church. All right? What we're aiming for. But what we do as a church is in the front seat of the car, we put programs. In the back seat, we put relationships. And we think our programs are going to grow our church. My friends, programs don't grow a church we got to put relationships as the driver of the church. If we're not developing relationships with people, then what are we doing? So one of the ways I want to promote this is I'm just asking for six couples or individuals to open their house to facilitate conversations with the unchurched. Now get this. In church, we are very good at fellowship. Fellowship. Let's get together after church. Let's eat. You're very good at going out to eat with people. Very good at inviting people over to your home. Small groups. Very good. 
but usually all of that's believers. That's fellowship. But in the Bible, there's a difference between fellowship and hospitality. Do you know the Hebrew word for hospitality and also the Greek carries the idea of stranger? So fellowship is for the church. Hospitality is for the unchurched, stranger. And one of the requirements of a bishop or a pastor in the book of 1 Timothy, I believe, is one of the requirements is given to hospitality. Not inviting church people over, but opening their home up to the stranger. And there's a difference. And in the church, we're very good at fellowship, but very poor at hospitality. Inviting the stranger into your house. Do you know your neighbors? Have you talked to your neighbors? What would happen if we followed the model of Jesus? What is the model of Jesus? Jesus ate with sinners all the time. He ate with them. Jesus dined with the sinners, but he didn't sin with the sinners. So you don't have to sin with them, but you can have them at your house and ask them about their life and share the gospel with them. What has given Christianity a bad name is people standing on the street corner telling everybody they're going to hell. And they may, they may be going to hell, but that's not going to win them. What wins them is you opening your home and opening your heart and preparing a meal and asking them to come into your life and having conversations with people. I'm just asking for six people, just six, that's all. Because I know most of us probably are uncomfortable with that. I get it, but at least maybe six people would say, you know, Pastor, I have a desire to do that. And Tiffany and I is going to do it. Uh, We have neighbors that we say hi to across the street. They're unchurched. It would be horrible for the pastor to be on the street corner and all my neighbors go to hell and me drive my car out of the garage every Sunday morning and never share the gospel with my neighbors. But that's what we do. That's what we do. We put our Sunday best on and we wave at everybody in the neighborhood. Let's infiltrate the neighborhood with the gospel. Can, can I hear an amen? amen? Now, I know some of you are not uncomfortable and I can't make you. And I understand that. And I understand that some people are not there yet. But some of you feel called to do this. Now, The leadership academy, the head, the feet, the host parties, those things will be after Easter. The leadership academy will be in the fall. Registration will open up in the the summertime. The host parties, we will focus on that after the Easter celebration, Easter service. All I need is six couples to come to one hour of training. I got the material, one hour of training, and then we just release you. All right, because some people have to be trained. I mean, we don't want your neighbors to come to your house and you sit at the house a mess telling them all about your troubles. That's not going to win anybody to Jesus, all right? So just just one hour training, that's all it is, just one hour to open up. And how many believes this could be an effective message to reach people for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can I hear an amen? So that is what I want to do corporately, number one, the head, Let, let's sow into the next generation, the Leadership Academy. Number two, the heart, let's break the attendance record on Easter. Number three, or our special services. Number three, let's partner with our local schools. And now let me say this. Susan, who is the principal, has also given me a whole list of things to do for the school system. 
Now, all year, this is not a one-time thing. All year, we're going to be sowing into our school or the two schools. It's just not a one-time thing. Uh, the principal's given me a whole list of things we could do, and some of those things we could do right now, but we're not. We're going to do the Easter thing first, and then after the Easter thing, I'll get up and say, hey, our next project for the school is, let's do this. Now, this will be the biggest thing this year that we're going to do. The other things are not that big, but they're meaningful, and so we're going to partner with them this year. Does that sound like a good idea? And then, and then the feet... Hosting the parties, we're going to deal with that after Easter. So the Leadership Academy is after Easter. You know, we'll deal with that after Easter. The host parties are after Easter. The things that we're going to focus on right now is the leadership. Uh, the, uh, the thing that we're going to focus on right now is the school blessing those children with 400 baskets and breaking the Easter attendance record. That's what we're going to focus on right now. So that means you can give. You can give. And then you can also invite somebody to the Easter service. Those are things that we can do right now. Now, individually, that's what we're going to do as a church. Individually, I'm just challenging you to continue to read the Bible, continue to read the Bible. And the new book this year, the new book this year is uh, Live No More Lies, Live No More Lies. So you can get this on Amazon. This is the new book by John Mark Comer. Very good book. It will be a great blessing to your life. So read the Bible. Start it right now. Get on the Bible reading challenge. Get the app out. Start getting the Bible into you. I've already started this year. So let's get, if you can do that, and then this is the book challenge. We encourage you to serve somewhere in the church. Get involved. It may not be a perfect team. You may be able to do it better, but that teaches us humility. Get involved. Find somewhere to get involved and invite somebody to church. Go back to the, go back to the screen where it says, uh, what can we do now? What can we do now? And I want to reiterate this. We can give towards the mission, give towards the outreach, excuse me. We can give towards that. Number two, we can invite somebody to Easter. Let's break the Easter attendance. And number three, let's volunteer on March 28th to take these baskets to the school. Now, most of you work during the day. Some of you can get off, and we'll be doing that uh, uh, throughout the day on March the 28th. All right, those are things we can do right now. We're focusing on Easter, and then we're going to focus on the Easter outreach to the school. Those are the two things right now. The other two things we will put on the back burner to after Easter, and we will focus on that. As I close today, let me just remind you of some miscellaneous items that I think is important that all of us know as a church. Number one, I really want to focus on Discover Christ Point. Discover Christ Point is a welcome lunch for all of our people. We want people to discover Christ Point, all right? And this is essential. So if you know somebody that's new to Christ Point that wants to get involved, this is the first step, all right? Discover Christ Point. This is the first step. We want people to come to it. And that they will learn about the church. They'll learn about the staff. They'll learn about how to get involved. They'll learn about how to contribute to the church, how the church can serve them. So all of us can be on board as disciples. And if there's somebody new, the next time that we have Discover Christ Point, you say, you know, let me take you to this lunch and you can discover everything out about Christ Point. And our first Discover Christ Point for the year is the first um, Sunday of April, all right? So we want you to be aware of that, and Doug and Connie's doing a great job. The essential class that we want everybody to go through is called Growth Point 101. The only thing I'm going to change this year, we're going to call it the core, because um, 
there was a little bit of confusion. People said, well, I'm in growth point. So the core class, and that's easy to remember because it's the core thing we want you to go through. It's still 101, but it's the core 101. Can you shout the core? And that makes sense because we want you to understand the core, the core class 101, or you can just refer it to as the 101 class. And we want everybody to go through that. That's the essential class that teaches us how to live for Jesus through head, heart, hands, and feet. The, another thing that we're going to try for three months, we're going to try it for three months. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But we're going to do some adjustments to our Sunday night. For the next three months, starting in March, March, April, May, March, April, May, three months. At the end of the three months, the staff and volunteers, some of us will evaluate it and see how it's going. For the next three months, what we're going to do is Sunday nights will be different. The first Sunday night, we have small groups. Everybody knows that. The second Sunday night, we're going to have men and women's groups. There are some men in this church that really need fellowship, that really want to come together, and Pastor Doug is going to be over that. He has a heart for men. So the second Sunday night will be men and women's group. Jonna has a heart for the women. They'll also meet on that night. I know they usually met on an off night, but we've talked with them, and we're just going to try it. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Everybody say, we're going to try it. The third Sunday night, the third Sunday night is teens. That means we get together and do some leadership training and the pastors get with their teams. This is essential to stay organized, to stay going. We got to have a night where we get together and organize and be with our teams. The last Sunday night of the month, we're going to have one big blowout church service. We're going to have kids ministry and youth ministry and we're going to blow it out. And then after church, we're going to eat together or have some sort of fellowship. All right. So for the next three months, we're going to have one big church service on the last Sunday night of the month. You say, Pastor, I can't remember that. That's okay, because we'll announce every week what's coming up, and it will be in the bulletin. You can get the bulletin, and it will also all be on the website. So if you're like, what's coming up on this Sunday night, you can look at the website, the bulletin, and we'll announce it. Does that make sense? Can we try it for three months? Can we try it for three months? Everybody... Say, well, I just wish we have, we're having ministry. This is just a different type of ministry, and we're going to try it. So the first Sunday night, small groups. Second, men and women. Third, teams. The last Sunday night, a big, a huge church service on that night, all right? So thank you for understanding that. And then the last thing is April 19th and 20th. I'm super excited about this. We're going to have what is called the 4D conference. 4D, off of the book, 4D. Head, heart, hands, and feet. And Gary McIntosh, which is, and you all can look it up after church, Gary McIntosh is one of the leading leadership experts in church growth and leadership. He, I've been trying to get him to come for years. Well, guess what? He's coming to our church on Friday night, Friday night and Saturday morning is what he's coming. Now, we're going to have a conference instead of a revival. We're going to start probably Thursday night. He'll be here Friday night and Saturday morning. We'll have church Saturday night, Sunday morning, and I don't know if that's uh, whatever's going on that Sunday night. So, so we are going to have a conference, and there will be another speaker. So it's going to be, I don't have everything lined out. I'm getting that. Before I speak, I want to make sure everything's lined out. But it's going to be the 4D conference. I want you to mark it down. I don't want you to be surprised by it. This is when we're having it. 
And so it's going to be the 18th, 19th, and 20th, all right? So mark that down. It's going to be a great time. So these are the things I wanted to share with you on the 2024, some of our goals that we're going to work, head, heart, hands, and feet. I want you to know I'm committed to you. I love you, and I'm so excited about 2024. I am so excited. You say, Pastor, you said a lot this morning. I know. I'm really thirsty right now. The only thing I want you to remember is this. Two things. Head, heart, hands, and feet. That's what we're about. The first thing we're going to work on is we're going to bless these children. Number two, because maybe these families will come to church on Easter. And we have an opportunity to minister to them. So we're going to focus on our Easter outreach to the school. Number two, we're going to focus on inviting as many people as we can for Easter Sunday morning. Let's break the attendance barrier and let me, let's all of us have the opportunity to preach the gospel to these people. Amen. People are more primed to go to church on Easter and Christmas than any other times of the year. Let's not miss that opportunity. Let's invite somebody. Let's tear down the curtains and let's have a blowout Sunday morning on Easter. Amen. How many is excited about the year 2024? Would you stand?